You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. The JSC has closed its doors for another day, so it's time for the five o'clock shadow. And as always on a Thursday, it's the double-headed Dream Team edition of Viv Govender from Rand Swiss and David Shapiro from Sassman Securities. Viv, we haven't spoken since the weekend's events and the continuing events. What do you make of it all? Because markets initially were slightly jittery. Now it seems everything has been shrugged off, despite the fact that the horror of what has happened continues. Yeah, look, I mean, I did a report on this, actually. I have a a 45-minute video on YouTube on it, actually. I did it a couple of days ago. And I avoided all the political stuff because I think, you know, this stuff is literally beyond our pay grades. We don't have the the experience, et cetera, to talk about the kind of, you know, institutions involved here. But looking from a purely, you know, markets thing here, I think as long as it stays confined, to Israel, Palestine, it really doesn't have a huge impact on the globe. We've had issues like this in the past. I mean, you look back a couple of years, there were you know, significant casualties in, in, in something previous. To this. Obviously, this time around, there'll be more, but uh, you know, it really didn't affect the market. What would affect the market is if someone like Iran was drawn into it. Because uh, Iran controls a piece of sea called the Straits of Hormuz. Exactly. The oil Yemen corridor. Yes. Yeah. And the numbers are insane. I mean, we're talking about a third of the world's natural gas, a fifth of the world's oil, 45% of uh, China's natural gas and oil, about two-thirds of India's, uh, go through those things. I mean, China, I think, spent $130, $128 billion in, 19, in 2021 sorry, on uh, natural gas and oil that traveled through the Straits of Hormuz. So we're talking a significant thing. Should that be the issue, then I, I think the world would be a very different place. Uh, we would not be talking about, like with Russia, $120, $130 barrel, uh, per, per barrel oil we'd be talking $200, $300 you know, oil in that scenario, mm. which would be you know, devastating to the world. I and mean, the only winners in those cases will be <coughs> places like Nigeria, Venezuela. The US, by the way, would be a big winner as well because they're also a big producer of those natural gas and uh, oil. Uh, but yeah, I think as long as it stays confined to where it is right now, from a market's point of view, there is no uh, real impact. But that being said, you know, these things you know, uh, are very messy. Wars are messy. It's hard to confine them. Uh, but as long as it doesn't appear that it goes to Iran, and a good bit of news actually is that at a couple of weeks, a couple of days ago, the Wall Street Journal came out with a report uh, blaming Iran for the attack, and then you had uh, denials from not just Iran but also from Israel and the U.S. about it. So that kind of shows that I think nobody really wants it to expand out at the moment, which I think would be uh, the very big danger for the world. Yes, it's very well put, actually, because Iran has been, well, we we only read the headlines, the three of us and everybody else, but they've been very, very silent about it. I mean, I'm I'm sure that there would be intelligence. Well, I would think there would be intelligence to say that they were behind. I'd ask the question, where did all those guns come from for the thousand militants that crossed the border into Israel from Gaza? But anyway, that's that's been going on for, for such a long time. But anyway, as you say, as long as it's confined, Viv, the world's markets, and we're, we're a market show, not a humanitarian show, the world's markets will be relatively sanguine. Is that your final comment? Um, yes, most certainly. And look, I mean, obviously, it, it doesn't take a genius to realize that Iran is in some way involved here. And, you know, obviously, there's some kind of thing. But whether or not they're involved in a general matter of like like helping Hamas or they gave the order for this particular thing, I think that's the key differential here. OK, David, are you wearing your Birkenstocks today or are, are they in the, they in the wardrobe? No, no, no. I wear them with socks uh, inside. I haven't got the courage to wear them outside, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) I I love my Birkenstocks. Very comfortable. They are. Um, 
Mm. So I don't know if they came on at a profit or not. No, the IPO price was 46, and then they fell to 41. I don't know what they're doing now. But as Bloomberg mm. said, the, the world's ugliest shoe with not a very pretty IPO. So they didn't do that well. And the thing, <laughs> the, the thing that worries me about uh, Birkenstocks, or Birkenstocks, it's a great brand. I've got two pairs myself, and they are incredibly comfortable. But it's a little bit of a fad because some Hollywood A-listers have worn them, mm. and, they, and they wear them at the Oscars, and everyone says, well, we've got to have Birkenstocks. But next year, they'll wear another brand. And that worries me mm. It worries mm. me a little bit. I don't know what both of you think about that. I, I, yeah, it's a lux- definitely. It's a luxury brand. It certainly is, because they're not cheap. But on the other hand, it's not the sort of luxury, David, that you go for. No. Well, look, I think they. Um, the German tourists always used to wear them. You'd always see the, you know, the Germans wearing them, and uh, they knew what uh, comfortable shoes were. And, and, and I think it's got a a very good market, mainly in Europe. I'm not sure that the Americans have quite warmed to it, but um, you do find it. You do find, you know, um, shops around there. Um, I, you remember Hush Puppies also made a comeback at one stage? Yes, yes, I um, do. I don't know if you remember. You know, for I love Hush Puppies. Mm, <clears throat> but then they moved on, so you're dead right. I, I don't go for fad stocks. It's a very dangerous thing to do. Uh, it's a good business. I won't take anything away from it, but I don't think it's the kind of business that's uh, it's going to match up to Microsoft or Apple or anything like that. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no, I don't think a cork's so, old shoe I, I is going to have any impact on Apple. Or you know something, Lindsay? Yes, go on. I, I even keep away from things like Nike and Adidas and Puma and that for the very same reason, is that you might have a particular line that comes along and they do well, and I've got, you know, Nike will always be there, but it's a very fickle industry. And um, the same thing with companies like Lululemon, which at the moment, all the very wealthy, middle-class uh, gym, uh, what are you, not gymnasts, but uh, gym, gym bunnies, and uh, it's not only confined to women, but to men as well, that, uh, you know, buy Lululemon. It's the high end of the market there. Uh, but I, I, you know, all you need is a brand to come along and challenge them, and that's it. At one stage, remember, it was Polo, not not your, you know, uh, Ralph Lauren's Polo, and so on. Keep away from those fads. I'm not hearing anything from Viv, so I, I'm sort of taking a wild <laughs> guess here, Viv, that you're not a Birkenstock wearer. Uh, no, I'm not. I mean, I look at the pricing of this. I mean, I think the uh, the, the private equity company bought it two years ago for 46 billion. Now they're trying to price it at eight billion to put it back into the market. Uh, it does seem to be a bit pricey at the current price range. And as David mentioned, these kind of things are, you know, a bit faddish. You don't know what's going to be the thing. I mean, luxury goods are obviously, you know, been very, very popular over the last uh, little while. Uh, and I think those kind of things, if there's aspirational stuff out there that might be interesting, but you know, fashion is just such a fickle thing. It, it, it you never know. Like the, uh, I remember there was a famous case when Clark Gable, if those that recall who he was, mm-hmm. was the a uh, big famous actor back in Go with the Wind. Uh, one day he did a, a one mo- movie that he wasn't wearing a vest, and then like the next day, vest sales around the world dropped dramatically because of that. And if you were investing in the vest stocks, so too bad for you. I think that can happen with the with shoes. Look at Adidas and Kanye West. I mean. That is obviously another example of uh, something like this. Do you know what also happens, Viv and David, is that when a Bond film comes out, there's a company in the United States of America that has a look at what, say, Daniel Craig, for example, was wearing, and they knock them off immediately. And you go to this page and you can 
by what Bond was wearing. And it does very well, but it, it goes from film to film doing exactly the same thing. So it's not just one brand. But we, we human beings, we're very, very shallow people when it comes to this sort of thing. I mean, David, you're a bit of a fashionista yourself, aren't you? You buy stuff, but, it, but it's classic <laughs> I stuff. I buy stuff that's comfortable, but I understand that. I, I understand fashions. And, and Lindsay, you know, the big fashion at the moment, and this will actually make... Poor Germain Street, just you know, the chaps there just turn their heads. German Street, it's not Germain Street. German Street, German yeah, I Street. Say German sorry, because it's a, no one, everybody, when you say German, everybody says G E R. Oh, I see. And this is J E R. M Y N. Yeah, I worked there. Mm. Anyway, go on. Yeah, <laughs> well, you, you didn't work in the shops. You worked in a building that was well, located in German Street. Yes, yes, I know, but it's the you same thing. I walked shoes. up and down there, wasting my money on hundred pound shirts all the time. Yeah, but anyway, I'm sorry, I've interrupted you. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, but I mean, if you get, uh, I can't remember the shoe stores, and they're not. Those are the, the, the handmade shoes. Churches. Not those, uh, churches. Not church. No, no. There's some places where, where people have their shoes made. Yes, and they've and still it's got called the, churches. They've still got Napoleons. What do you call the, you know, the, the blocks? What, uh, help me out here as well. You know, the, the, what does the cobbler use to kind of uh, make your shoes? I don't you know. know. I've, I've never cobbled. No. But, but I can tell you <laughs> that the most famous shoe shop in German Street is churches and it's at one end but now they've yeah. got also two ready-made shops as, as well and the shoes are fantastic and they're also five six hundred pounds a pop mm. so what does everybody wear now is you wear your sneakers you wear air force one or those white sneakers with your suit yes and uh you know you look at that and say, i can't do that you know um i can't put on a uh, a suit or a smart suit, a woolen suit or something like this, and now it's an open-neck white shirt and you wear these white sneakers. Now, you don't only wear them, uh, you wear them to work, you wear them to weddings. In fact, you get married to them as well. So, um, <laughs> you know, so I look at some of those pairs of them. Well, if you're stupid <laughs> enough to get married and, you, and you're stupid <laughs> enough to wear white sneakers, then you're in but I'm saying big that's, trouble. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's how things change. So, um, you know, you you see a lot. You remember the the fashion, Viv? Hey, was I mean the hedge fund chaps, and and you were a hedge fund man. Um, you would wear they would wear the um, chinos, you know, khaki chinos, yeah. blue shoot, blue uh, shirt, and then a blazer as well. That was the the look of the hedge fund man. You know, that's gone. Yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. Fads, fads, fads. Okay, let's talk about uh, another fad, and that is uh, falling inflation. Viv, US inflation at the headline level, uh, 3.7%, which is unchanged from the previous month, unchanged from August. Core inflation, though, fell from 4.3% annually to 4.1%. I've seen a couple of headlines saying persistent US inflation. I think these are quite good numbers. The fact that the oil price during this period went up, the fact is that inflation has stayed stable and, as I said, at the core level, taking out oil and food, has come down a little bit, Viv. And it, I, think, I personally think it's quite encouraging. Yeah, but look, I, I, I think it's, 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 it's the right trend, but is it the trend of the market? Is it faster for the market's uh, you know, needs at the moment? I mean, the market's pricing in rate cuts by the middle of next year, like thinking about rate cuts by the middle of next year. Uh, but inflation at 3.7, you know, that's almost double the 2% target and not changing, not coming down. And, you know, all prices, like you mentioned, have come down, but I mean, the, uh, or been quite high. But the biggest driver here was actually shelter. That's an internal mm. thing that, that, mm. that has its own internal, like, you know, uh, issues here. 
And you can imagine with a four plus percent, uh, you know, four and a half percent 10 year yield, what the mortgage bonds are like in the US at the moment and what landlords are dealing with, you know, to make sure that they don't, uh, you know, get underwater with regards to their loans. Uh, so yeah, that that is a pressure that's also going to be coming through uh, for the for like shelter costs and so on. So I'd, I'd I would take it to the, with a bit of a, you know caution here, just because uh, like I think shelter is an internal thing, and I think with like I said, with interest rates as high as they are, landlords are going to be looking to have high enough uh, no rents coming in to just justify their uh, or to pay off their interest payments. I suppose what you've just said is that it's nearly double the target of two percent. That's that's one way to look at it. That's the pessimistic way to look at it, but the optimistic way to look at it. Viv, is that it was 9% at some time. I can't remember what the, the peak was in the United States, but it's come down hugely in the last year. So, well, most certainly. I mean, that, that 9% was impossible to maintain, I mean, not in the US. But I mean, to get to 2%, it's like losing weight. I mean, you can lose the first 100 pounds, no problem. But the last 20s will be quite tough. Uh, and uh, losing the first four, you know, percent interest rates, uh, inflation rate is, is quite easy. Losing the last two percent might be difficult. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, uh, the, the market's not pricing in, you know, rate cuts in 2027 here. It, it, it's, it's saying that, you know, I mean, second half of next year, we might be looking at something coming through, which I think is uh, going to be tough if interest rates or inflation rates don't start coming below three percent in the next, say, six, seven months or so. Okay. David, you're in inflation, despite the fact that you have, every time you go to America, you contribute to the inflation because you buy so much. <laughs> stuff. What is your opinion on CPI? It's coming down. And I, and I think, you know, the one thing that, that you can feel is that economies are slowing. Yes. And uh, inflation is starting to ease, even if it's at a decimal point. And I think if this continues, um, I, I think it's more the, the economy that will influence where the Fed goes. Um, I don't think they're in any mood to raise rates. Uh, they've done enough up to now, and they've got to let it uh, work through the economy. I think, as as uh, Viv says, uh, you know, articulately and very aptly, it's you know, you, we now we've lost the hundred pounds. Now you've got to just lose that last bit. But it does come <laughs> as long as you persist with the as long as you persist with the diet. So I, I, you know, and the market's also telling us the same thing. It's telling us it's over. I picked up all the you know the Fed governors. There may be one. Who, uh, who's now talking about additional rate hikes, but all of them are starting to say, hold on, I think we've gone far enough. You know, pushing it from here, you're not going to do any good uh, longer term. And you don't want to completely take, you know, you don't want to take all the air, uh, all the oxygen out of the, you know, the lungs of an economy. So I think that uh, we'll probably, I don't say there's going to be anything dramatic in the next few, you know, maybe months or the next couple of weeks. But I think I think we're headed down now. And watch the market. I think this is what it's hinting at. Okay. Well, let's hope so. Let's have a look at some market prices now, gentlemen. I've got the dollar rand. It wasn't that long ago. Of three or four trading days, it was in the 1930s. It's now 1892. That's uh, the dollar rand. British pound against the rand is 23.13. And the euro rand is 1998. All of those three are small increments to the downside for the primary currencies. Euro dollar is 105.60. That's a 0.7% fall for the euro, gain for the US dollar. Commodities, gold price flat at 18.74. Platinum is down nine at 8.75. That's all to do with the dollar, of course. 77, excuse me. Palladium, 11.54, which is down 14. Now the oil price, 
Someone's been cheating on this oil price. We know, we, we know that. It's it spiked up because of the geopolitical nastiness, but it's, uh, there's still someone cheating, I'm sure of it. It's up a percent today to $86.72. That's for Brent crude oil. And West Texas crude, $84.38, which is also just over a percent higher. Natural gas prices down just very, very slightly. Copper down nearly a percent. Oh, that's something we must look at, actually, gentlemen, talking about commodities. It's London Metal Exchange Week, which is always where all the big producers and consumers get together in Park Lane hotels, have a huge dinner, and then they go back to their suites and discuss things. So don't be surprised if there's some copper and zinc and aluminium and nickel and lead movements over the next couple of weeks. But copper seems to be the one that has caught everybody's attention. We'll maybe speak about that in a second. After I've given you the US 10-year Treasury bond yield, which is... 4.65%, which is about five basis points higher. South African 10-year was above 11, is now 10.66%. S&P 500 futures down a bit, just down 0.2%. And Bitcoin 26,685, down 1.5%. Viv, everyone talking about copper being the the new gold, the new platinum, everything. It's the metal that everybody wants. Would you agree with that? An old-style metal suddenly becoming part of the new economy. Yes, most of the, I mean, people talk about electric vehicles. They often mention you know, lithium, etc. But, I mean, an EV can use like almost 200 pounds of copper, like almost like 100 kgs of copper, an EV. And if you're looking at EVs basically, uh, you know, being legislated as being pretty much the only vehicle that can be sold in a decade's time in much of Northern Europe and, you know, the U.S., like places like California and so on. I mean, the world has to make a lot more copper to make that viable. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do think it, it's, 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 if the trend in EVs is reasonable, not only will we see metals like platinum come down, we should be seeing copper going up. Because, like I said, as, as it's, we're talking like between 50 and 100 kgs of copper needed for each of these vehicles. Yes. And not even talking about how much more you'd need for like a, you know, a truck or something. You know what I mean? That they're talking about nowadays, like the, uh, you know, the, the semis or so on. And David, you spoke to me a while ago about a new listing on the JSC. I think it was called, David, I think it was called Copper 360. What's happened to that? It went to 20 rand a share and then back down to four or five. Where is it now? Have you been following it at all? I've, uh, I'm going to find it somewhere here. Copper 429, uh, up, up about four and a half percent today. So it's, it's seen its worst levels. It's creeping up. But Lindsay, I, you're picking up something. Yes. Because um, I follow a ETF. It's called Glo- Global X Lithium and Battery ETF. Now, the reason I follow it is that you can't get most of the companies. They're all in China. And the only way you can get access to it is through this ETF. And it's being hammered. It really has been hammered mm. as lithium prices have come through, you know, for most of the year. It's got Tesla in and it's got Rivian and it's got B, what's it, BYD, you know, Build Your Dream, the Chinese uh, electric vehicle company. So it's it's a mixture of that. And all of a sudden, the last few days, uh, this thing has started to pick up. You know, I've been punished by it. When I say punished, I've, you know, I've, I've, I've had high hopes for this, which... Um, so you're invested in it, in really, other words, on behalf of yourself yeah, and your clients? Yeah, I, yeah, simply because of the because I found it a, a way to get in. But when I look today, I can see right across the board, uh, you know, all the companies, it's quite tight, tight. When I say it's a tight ETF, in other words, it doesn't spread itself too widely. 
but from Albemarle to uh, TDK to Panasonic, you know, all of these contemporary Amperex, all of these companies are up very, very nicely today, and I've been watching it. And that's pointing to what you're seeing. Uh, Gang Feng Lithium Group up 8.5%. So, and that would be associated with the same kind of... Uh, <laughs> You know, with the same kind of trend that you're talking about. Okay. So just, just, just watch. I think there's something happening there. Yes. But I also want to mention the fact that you know, look at Tesla bringing these prices down here. Yeah, bad for Tesla owners, but I mean, that's going to mean volumes go up. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I, right now, um, you're looking at the UAW issues and so on. Uh, you know, electric vehicles are having a bit of a moment right now, and it remains to be seen whether they will become the dominant vehicle out there. But if they basically continue as they are, I mean, you are going to be seeing like David's uh, ETF looking rather strong in the future. To go, Viv, so <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm six nil down, so I've got quite a few goals to score. Uh, this is always the second half, David, uh, and extra time. David, I sent you a couple of messages yesterday. I phoned you and I asked about your exposure to EV, electric vehicles, that is, and you didn't come back to me. You obviously had a big day but i wanted to say yeah i wanted to say a couple of things because the bbc had a slightly skewed feature on electric vehicles yesterday and the first thing they point out of course is they're really expensive at the moment and obviously in the future they will they will come down but at the moment it's putting some people off the second thing was the price of parts and the, the slowness with which an electric vehicle, should it have a problem, uh, be, be fixed much more than a normal car. And again, that's normal because, you know, these mechanics are, are not used to working on electric vehicles and they don't have the supply chain that, that they have. It's a whole new... It's, it's a new thing, exactly. But the other thing was insurance premiums over the last two years in the UK for an electric vehicle have risen by 70%. And the parts, by the way, I forgot to mention that, 25% up over the last two years as well. So you, there's an awful lot of expense. There's also something called charge rage, where people are driving around in the UK and trying to find a charging point, and someone nips in ahead of them, and they've got to keep on driving round and round, and people are getting really <laughs> cross about it. So it's, it's putting people off buying in the short term anyway. And the one that really got me, I don't know if you saw what happened at Luton Airport. I mean, you've got Heathrow, Gatwick, Stansted, and Luton airports, all in that sort of London region. Luton airport's quite important for tourists going off to Benidorm and places like that. An electric car, and they say it was an electric Range Rover, but they don't know yet. It was parked there, these people had gone off on holiday, and the thing blew up. And it wasn't, it was the battery in the electric car that blew up. And it destroyed hundreds of cars and the car park collapsed. Now, I don't know about you, Viv. David's not in an EV mood, not in the mood for me to criticise EVs. But would you buy an electric vehicle, Viv, today? Uh, In South Africa, I would actually because uh, the number of cars that explode, even gas cars or or petrol cars, is substantially higher than you would think. Mm. Uh, I mean, there is evidence. I mean, there was a case a few years ago with the, I think, the Ford Cougar. Uh, in South Africa, uh, that uh, there was a couple of cases that happening. Uh, so cars are, are, are pretty dangerous. But that being said, I mean, uh, I think for a kilometer driven on an electric vehicle, because of the way they are structured, uh, you know, it's actually safer than driving in a petrol vehicle uh, because the, the 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 structure of it, because of that, that big bottom plate being a pretty much solid, like, you know, a structure, uh, means that in an accident, you, you, you seem to be safer in an electric vehicle than you are in, in many of these, uh, you know, gas vehicles out there that's and interesting we and also uh, another thing is that we talk about deaths and so on i mean if we had to invent like petrol vehicles today 
they would never be uh, was, uh, you know, allowed. The amount of deaths that are caused by you know uh, vehicles uh, is just insane. You just are just used to the fact that that's just a cost of living. You know, the fact that we uh, died hundreds of thousands, in fact, even millions globally a year in car accidents is is a remarkable feature. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's something I think that we just gotten used to, uh, and I don't think that um, you know. The danger in electric vehicles is substantially higher than I think in gas vehicles or petrol vehicles. Okay, well that's a, that's a good advertisement. And yeah, David, your next car will be electric. Yeah. Well, not in South Africa because of the charging <laughs> problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't see that happening. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> you talk about road rage. What do you call it? <laughs> Can you charge imagine? rage? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah. Well, the, gotta, the charging points would be stripped as well. Yeah, they they, they wouldn't be there for very long. The, the criminals would immediately strip it down for the components of the charging point. So, yeah, I, I think you're probably right. Stick to petrol. There's another movement as well. Before I get onto some movies on the JSC, the movement in Germany, the Liberal Party being at the forefront of it, to say mm. electric cars are all very well but we think that the real future is green fuel i i don't know if it's a green hydrogen i don't know enough about it but they're saying we preferred for, to put our money if we were in power into the development of um of, of fuels that are not as yeah. expensive in the long term as um, ele- electric vehicles and i don't know what either of you you've, viv you're the tech expert in this regard what would you say to that so can you repeat that again, please? The, 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 green the, energy. Green, yeah. green energy, energy for cars yeah. rather than an electric mm. battery in a car. What, what would you say? Well, quite frankly, I, I think green energy is... Honestly, it should be nuclear. Green energy should be nuclear. I mean, yes, there's parts of the world, and South Africa is actually one of them that can go with, you know, a renewable. But you look in Germany, there isn't that much wind, there isn't that much sun. What are you going to do for green energy? Uh, you know, if you live in like Canada and, you know, it's the wrong time of the year uh, and, and, and temperatures are minus 40 degrees Celsius, like it can get there. You know, you can't be relying on some, you know, wind farm to be producing energy at that point in time. No, but we're and not we talking about that. We're not talking about powering uh, cities and homes. Yeah, and things. Yeah, we're talking about powering cars, going to a petrol station, which is now not a petrol station, but you put you, you actually put, uh, I don't know, green hydrogen or something in the car <laughs> rather yeah. than having an electric vehicle. That's what the German. Yeah. The Liberal Party is advocating. Oh, I mean, the thing is that, I mean, the electric vehicle stuff, I think it's taken off. I mean, maybe it's Tesla's thing or whatever. A couple of years ago, the hybrids were around and you had basically people talking about catalytic converters for hydrogen with platinum being used for that. Mm-hmm. But I think it's pretty clear that EVs, electrical vehicles, because of maybe Tesla's first move advantage, et cetera, has really taken off. And I don't see anybody coming up with something that's comparable to that. Okay. Just look at the number of vehicles Tesla is selling at the moment. It's just gigantic. And everyone else is trying to catch up with that. Uh, yeah, so I don't think that's going to be an option. And even with that, I think nuclear is probably the better way to go about it than you know uh, relying on renewables of any kind. Okay, good point. Know, you know, Viv, as long as I've been around, and I think uh, Lindsay knows you know, that that everyone's been talking about uranium. You know, you've got to buy uranium because it's going to. That's the worst thing on earth you can ever do. If ever you want to lose money, start trying to uh, capture the uranium market. The other one has been platinum for um, you know fuel cells. Same thing. <laughs> Uh, this is nothing new. This has been going on for 50 years, and there's been absolutely zero progress. So I'm, I'm with you, Viv. I think that uh, you know the first march. Uh, I mean, uh, Tesla has stolen it with the lithium batteries and stolen the march. And I think that on 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 other forms of uh, 
propulsion. I know Wayne McCurry always talks about it, and uh, you know he's he's a great believer that some other fuel or energy source will come about. Forget it. This is the Betamax VHS story. I think um, it's going to be batteries for the meantime. Okay. Okay. So if I ever if I ever do buy a you car again, blow up in a, you remember the Hindenburg? Wasn't that uh, green energy? Wasn't that hydrogen? Hydrogen gas. It was. Uh, but, yes. But, no, but yeah. I don't think it was very green, David. Not from the pictures I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't want to get close to hydrogen. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. On the upside today on the JSE on my screen, and you can chip in both of you with uh, with your favourites of the day. Alpha Min up six percent. Alexander Forbes up uh, nearly 5%. Uh, Goldfields, 4.8% stronger. Northern Platinum up 4.5%. Uh, Montauk Renewables up 3.2%. On the downside, Telcom had a good couple of days. Now it's down just over 3%. Hyprop down 2.9%. Sibania still water, talking about those metals that we have been nearly 3% weaker. First Rand down 2.7%. And Equitus, the property company, down 2.7%. David, you're more of an individual stocks man than Viv is, I think. Uh, so you start. Have you seen anything else? No, there wasn't much. There was Kumba, Rigzara, Spa. But it, it was very patchy and very low, um, very low volumes today as well. We just got up to about $17 billion, uh, just shows you that. And and most, most of the trade was actually in the red today. Uh, not Not a lot happening here. All right. Uh, uh, and, and no corporate news. There was no, there's nothing. Carew was out. Yeah. Uh, there was Carew and uh, uh, Combined Motor Holdings. Uh, you know, it's a group that I've always liked from the time they were listed, but I see their numbers are down. I haven't gone through it. They're very outspoken. Jeb McIntosh, I don't know if he still runs it, but uh, you always get an honest view of, of where the economy is from him. I will go through that later. It only came out at about 4 o'clock. And Carew, which is a company I don't quite understand – they did go up today, but uh, uh, good numbers for their second quarter. But this stock just tracks sideways. You know, it hasn't made any headway in the time that it's been listed. Viv, um, if nothing you nothing wrong with the numbers, it just no. you know it just hasn't quite captured um, the support of, of of investors, despite the fact that people remain very positive about the company. Viv, you've spoken uh, over the weeks. You've teased us with uh, an initiative you've, you've got going, and I can't quite remember the, the exact details, but tell us about what you're doing at the moment, please. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I know I have an AI portfolio on listed products, yeah, so that's that's one thing you can take it off. But looking at the stuff happening right now, if you've looked at, at what GPT-4 and stuff is doing, I mean, I think it's it's real, and I think it's coming, and I think, unfortunately, Africa is going to be hit quite negatively by this. It's going to take off the bottom rungs of the progress that most countries like Japan and China have done to get up the industrial ladder, because what's going to happen is automation uh, is going to take away the lower levels of, of uh, you know, uh, usage for what you would use normally cheap labor for. You know what I mean? So instead of having cheap labor that you'd use in Africa, you'd go and do it with, with a machine somewhere. Uh, and I think that is a, a real danger. And uh, in order to do that, in order to avoid that, what you need to do is actually have a homegrown uh, AI sector, because that's, I think, the only way you can actually have uh, something that's going to allow us as Africans to basically progress into the future and avoid, I think, what's going to be a rather terrible demographic situation where we have a lot of workers because we're going to add two workers for every one worker in the world in the next decade or so uh, from Africa, uh, while the jobs are not going to be there for them. 
so yeah, what I'm doing is, is trying to launch a, a venture capital uh, initiative around AI in uh, South Africa. Uh, and that is that is basically uh, what I'm looking at at the moment. Very good. We'll keep us in, in touch with that. Uh, we don't have time to go into it now. And it's probably in, in too much of a fledgling stage to be a meaningful discussion. But David, what is meaningful is you give us the closing JSE indices, please. I, I just want to tell you, Viv will appreciate this. But, yes. Uh, I love chat GPT and this morning I wanted to illustrate something. So I asked chat GPT to give me a joke uh, about a Neanderthal and our morning meeting. You know, uh, we have a morning meeting every morning. So I said, <laughs> give me yeah. a joke. So I said, why did the Neanderthal refuse to join Sassman's morning meeting? Because it didn't want to raise the meeting's IQ. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> That's very good, yes. <laughs> that was straight from church. Oh, <laughs> ouch. Very good. It. Okay. <laughs> all right, we'll raise the IQ no, of, the, of this. That's all I asked it. I said, <laughs> you know, give me a joke between our morning meeting and uh, Neanderthal. There's the end of stand-up comedy. Anyway, raise the IQ of this podcast by giving us the closing <laughs> JC indices, please. <laughs> you know, well, we ended down uh, 0.62% at 73391. That came from 3.30 our time. You know, as the, uh, as the numbers hit America, as, a, as the inflation numbers, it seemed to pull us down quite a lot. So we ended down there. We managed to creep into positive territory and resources. Just about, you know, 0.31%. Um, the rest of the market was down. Financials, banks were down quite sharply, down 1.5%, mainly on first rand. You know, that's been dominating trade as well. That came down, uh, plus some of the other banks as well also, not under pressure, but down. And uh, the uh, property market was down, uh, and also industrials down about just under 1%. So, um, as I mentioned, the value trader was very low, just about $17 billion. Gentlemen? It was positive in mining, mm. the rest of the market negative. Okay, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time, as always. And we'll speak again next Thursday. That was David Shapiro from Sassen Securities and Viv Govender from Rand Swiss. And that was the five o'clock shadow. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.